Well, good evening, Kairos. I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Sorry I can't be with you guys tonight, but I am super excited to introduce you to one of Kairos' faithful friends who is now back with us, Kelly Minter. Kelly is an author, a Bible teacher, and a musician. Kelly has a story that deserves to be told and a voice that needs to be heard. And I'm glad you're getting an opportunity to hear it tonight. Uh, she is a consequential soul and a wounded healer who will open up God's word with us tonight. But before we get started, just need you to know some very crucial context clues about Kelly. First of all, her favorite cereal when she was a kid was Lucky Charms, but she didn't get to eat it very often. And I don't know if she's the kind that picks out the marshmallows and leaves the rest like my kids, but hopefully you're better than that. Uh, Kelly loves hanging out at farm-to-table cozy restaurants in Nashville. Uh, she is also an incredible food enthusiast. Her favorite two food combinations are cheese and bread. How great is that? Finally, a woman that stands up and says, I will not be conformed to this anti-carbohydrate, anti-dairy trend. I will stand for truth, and that is cheese and bread is awesome. Um, Kelly is most alive when she's zipping down the Amazon, the river, uh, not scrolling to buy stuff that you don't need. Um, when she is working with one of her partner ministries, uh, Mercy and Justice International. Uh, I asked her what her most often recommended book was, and she said it's Dallas Willard, The Divine Conspiracy. And if you're not convinced yet that she's good people and our people, I asked her, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? She said this, God has good plans laid out for you. You can trust them. He is not going to withhold any good thing from you. Kairos, would you give a warm welcome to my friend and yours, Kelly Minter. Well, hello, my Kairos friends. It is awesome to be with you guys. I'm sad that I can't be with you in person, that we're not going to be together today. And I feel like um, even the whole snow day thing after a year of quarantine and being at home loses a little bit of its uh, pizzazz maybe. But anyway, typically on Valentine's Day, at least over the last several years, I've been in the Amazon jungle in Brazil for Justice and Mercy International's Jungle Pastors Conference. Um, so that's a whole nother story. But I'm always so happy that as someone who's single to be in the middle of the Amazon jungle on uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, because it just is such a diversion and such a distraction um, for me. And and I love being there. But um, anyway, obviously with COVID, we're not there this year. And so I was so um, excited when uh, Pastor Chris asked me if I would be with you guys today. So anyway, I want to hopefully bring some encouragement. This has been a long 12 months. It's been hard for pretty much everybody. And it's really easy, um, especially if there are other difficult things going on, to wonder if God has forgotten you. Um, in fact, that's why I want to go to 1 Samuel chapter 1 today, because I want to talk about a woman named Hannah who actually asked God to notice her affliction, to remember her, and to not forget her. So she combines all of those into one single plea 
And we get very much the idea um, of just her pain and her struggle and her feeling of being forgotten. And so that's what that's where I want to go today. We're going to briefly look at her story um, before we jump into 1 Samuel chapter 1. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, maybe you can go ahead and get there. But before we jump in, I just want to let you know that Hannah sits in a very strategic position in Israel's history. Uh, she's She sits in a transitional period because she is right in between the time of the judges and the monarchy, Israel's monarchy. So Hannah ends up having a son named Samuel, who will eventually reluctantly, uh, in some ways, anoint King Saul. And then we know we get King David after that, and the monarchy takes off. But before the monarchy, it was always God's intent that he would rule his people. And so here Hannah sits in this incredibly transitional period. She ends up being very, very strategic in Israel's history. Uh, it's, It's amazing, her story. But when we read it, especially at the beginning, she doesn't seem to be a transitional figure at all. She doesn't seem to be important at all. She seems to be, in fact, um, in some ways, um, the most forgotten, the most uh, ancillary to the story. And that's that's partly what excites me so much about this whole text. So we're going to jump in at 1 Samuel chapter 1. This uh, is just kicks off with Elkanah, her husband, Hannah's husband. And he also has a second wife, by the way, named Peninnah. And they are, uh, they're, they're um, journeying to the house of the Lord. And it says this in 1 Samuel 1, verse 4, when Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. So we see here that Hannah is barren. She is unable to have children. And that is a deep pain in any society and in any culture, but especially in Old Testament Israel culture, this was a double pain because in their time, they did not live in an individualistic society like we do today, where uh, individuals accomplish things, where we are taught to look deep within and within our own selves and our own strength. That was not the culture. It was all about family. So if you were married and you could not bear children, especially sons who could carry on the name of your family, you had no standing in society. You essentially had nothing to offer, nothing to give. And this was a tremendous pain. It affected not just uh, her uh, communal desire and relational desire to have a child, but it affected her social standing. It affected her status. It affected what she could contribute um, to the family and to society. So this was a great pain. Um, But we also see that in some ways, God seems to be her biggest problem. And this is a difficult text in some ways, because it very clearly, the author tells us twice that it was God who had kept Hannah from conceiving. I remember years ago uh, coming across this text and dealing with a, a totally different type of pain in my life and really getting to that point where I realized oh my goodness, God is actually sovereign over this and he is withholding this from me, this thing that I desperately wanted. And I had to come to terms with the fact that 
that all these other characters in my story and all of these other things weren't my biggest problem. In some ways, God was my biggest problem. But we're going to see that God is good. God is loving. Um, First John, John says in First John that there's no darkness in him. He does not deceive. He does not withhold um, in a way that is unloving. So anything that God does for us is good. And that is, is difficult, but that is important to the foundation of this story. Uh, but we also see in verse seven that it says that this was year after year. So every single time that Hannah was going up to the temple with her husband, Elkanah, the second wife, Peninnah, was always there and she was taunting her. Um, she was goading her. And I just can't imagine, I can't imagine that kind of pain being blended with going up to worship. I mean, I can tell you right now that if there had been streaming capabilities back in that day, I would have streamed that thing in so fast. I would have said, honey, you can go with Penny Na and I will, I'm, I'm going to watch this thing online because there's no way I'm going through that uh, journey to the house of the Lord. It was a pretty uh, sizable journey, I think, between Rama and Shiloh. And so this was a this was a good, I think it was like 15 miles or something. You guys can go check me out on that. But can you imagine going through that kind of pain just to get to the house of the Lord? Um, But then we pick up something else here. Um, It says that she would weep and she would not eat. Now think about that. This was a festival that they were supposed to, the, the, the Israelite people were supposed to celebrate. And it was a time of great feasting and rich food. But she did not want to eat because that would be to give in to the celebration, to give into the joy of the community and the goodness of God. And that is not something that she was feeling at this time. So we see so much about Hannah's uh, situation here. But I want you to hang on to that part in verse 7 that it says year after year. This was a year after year pain for her. All right, let's drop down to verse 10. She ends up going into the temple um, or going up to the temple. And it says, verse 10, deeply hurt. Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears, making a vow. She pleaded, Lord of armies. Uh, Your Bibles may say Lord of hosts or Lord Almighty. If you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. Um, You guys, I love this passage because we see how lonely Hannah is. We see how forgotten she feels. And when she asks God to remember her, I want you to know she's not, it's not so much that she thinks that God has necessarily, uh, just that he's forgotten her. But that word remember, when it says later in scripture that God remembers people or he remembers Hannah, it's not that he had forgotten her. It's that he is going to act. Um, God's remembrance in the Old Testament is always paired with his acting. And so she does not want him to forget her, but she also wants him to act. She wants him to invade her situation and to really do a miracle here. Um, But what I want you to see too, is that she calls out to the Lord Almighty. Um, Again, your version might say Lord of hosts, uh, 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 Lord of armies. And the uh, the, the idea is God's incredible power over all the heavenly hosts of angels. And what I love about this is that this is the first recorded uh, time in all of the Old Testament that anyone has used this title for God. 
So Hannah, in all of her pain, is understanding God in a way that even Eli the priest doesn't understand him. We see, uh, if we were to really do a deep dive of this text, Eli doesn't even refer to the Lord as Yahweh. He refers to him as Elohim, which was kind of a generic um, term for God. But Hannah, um, not a priest, not a, not, doesn't have this amazing place in society, um, can't bear children, but she understands something about God that nobody else was getting in this story. And I believe that it had to do with her year after year pain that drove her to the Lord. And so this is just one thought for us um, today that it's in our year after year pain that the God we've known from a distance becomes Lord Almighty. In our year after year pain, the God that we've only known from a distance becomes the Lord Almighty. And in New Testament terms, he becomes Jesus Christ, a God with us, um, a comfort, uh, a strength, um, a source of intimacy. And so I want to encourage you right here that if this is a time where you feel forgotten, if this has been a year after year pain, I want you to know that you are being invited in a unique way to no longer know God only from a distance or, or even um, in kind of just a, a medium sort of way, but as the Lord Almighty in a way that you have never known him before. We see Hannah deeply invited into that. Uh, all right, we'll drop down again, just a few more verses. Uh, Eli, the priest, sees Hannah praying, and he thinks that she's drunk because she's, she's, her, her lips are moving, but she's not actually saying anything. So Eli was not like the sharpest priest that's ever lived in the Old Testament. But Hannah comes back at him, and she says, No, my Lord, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Do you love how honest this is? Oh my gosh, my Kairos friends, I wish I, I wish I was there in person to just see your face, but do you know that you can be this honest with the Lord? Listen to that in her anguish and resentment. Well, Eli the priest responds, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Okay, I want you to see here that, um, the, that first of all, that Hannah, she, she pours out her heart to the Lord, but then the priest says, okay, go, may the God of Israel give you what you've requested. And then it says that she's no longer despondent and she goes and eats. But I want you to see that Hannah's situation has not actually changed. Her circumstance has not changed yet, but she has changed because she has had an encounter with the Lord and she goes and she eats. And it's not that she just goes and hits the Trader Joe's uh, frozen pizza, which is like kind of what I've been doing the last few months. Uh, no, she goes and she feasts with the people of God. And so this is the second thing that I want you to see that, and just remember that, that in your year after year pain, don't stop pursuing the Lord and feasting with the people of God. This is the time that we need community. We need it more than ever. And we see here that Hannah, not only her circumstance didn't change, but she was changed. And as a result, she engages in worship. She engages with the people of God and she is changed. And we saw in verses 19 and 20 that after that, she goes home and uh, we see that she gives birth to Samuel. 
I want to close up with this, and there's so much more that we could say about this text, but if you go all the way to chapter two, and this is when Samuel, I think, is about maybe three or four, somewhere in there, but in chapter two, 1 Samuel 2, this is verses 18 and 19, it says, Samuel served in the Lord's presence. This mere boy was dressed in the linen ephod. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Each year. His mother made him a little robe. Each year is the same as year after year. Do you see God had totally redeemed from 1 Samuel 1, 7 all the way to chapter 2, 19. God had redeemed her year after year pain of the journey to the house of the Lord that was so painful where Peninnah was provoking her, instigating her, reminding her of her barrenness and her desolation to now she makes this trip to the, to the Lord's house with this little robe that she has made for her son. Every year he had redeemed it. And so also for us today, that no one can turn year after year pain into year after year blessing like the Lord Almighty. No one can turn year after year pain into year after year blessing like the Lord Almighty. It is what he does. It is redemption. And I pray that you will stay faithful. I pray that you will hang on to that because Your faithfulness to the Lord, Hannah's faithfulness to the Lord doesn't even come close to matching what his faithfulness back to us looks like. And uh, and I'll I'll close with this because as I was just preparing for this today, this verse stood out to me. If you have a chance, go back and look at the first several verses of chapter two. This is Hannah's prayer to the Lord after she has Samuel. It is awesome. She understands so much about the Lord, so much about who God Almighty is because of her year after year pain. And in verse nine, she says, this is chapter two, verse nine. He guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked perish in darkness for a person does not prevail by his own strength. You guys, he is guarding your steps. If you are following him and you are seeking after him, he has got you. He is guarding your feet. He is guarding your steps. And it's the ones who are relying on their own strength. Those are the ones that are in trouble. But when we come to that realization that we have, no, we have no strength outside of the Lord and we pour out our heart to him and we encounter him, that, that's the blessing. Uh, you're blessed in that situation. Um, I, I, I just, uh, there's so many scriptures that are pop, so many New Testament scriptures that are popping to my mind right now. One being Philippians 3.10, that the goal um, is to know the Lord and the power of, um, Paul says, the goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his sufferings. And maybe this is a time where you've been called into that fellowship, but I'm telling you, nobody redeems our year after year like the Lord Almighty. He has you. Um, This has been a difficult time for all of us. I know as I was thinking about just my last year, um, it was almost a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, where I realized that all of my events were going to be canceled for the year and that my life was going to look very, very different. And I've had a lot of soul searching um, really taking place right here in this very, this very room, my study. Um, and I think one of the best things that I have learned this year is that same lesson of Hannah, that, uh, that my strength is very um, limited. In fact, a year ago when I was in Brazil with um, with our Amazon jungle pastors, there was this one pastor and he was being translated from Portuguese to English 
but he said something I'll never forget. My dad and I were sitting there interviewing him and the way it got translated was he said, I have come to the realization that I am filled with incapacity. And I've never forgotten that because I, you could just see in his face that the Lord had filled him up, but he was filled with incapacity. And maybe you are at that point and you are realizing that. But I want you to know the Lord has you. He has not forgotten you. He has a plan for you. And it is in that incapacity and in that weakness that he wants to fill you up with his goodness and his grace. Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for technology today. Um, I am sad that we cannot be together. Uh, But Lord, I thank you for this medium. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would redeem year after year pain and in profound ways God, I ask that we would not forsake the gathering and the worship of you. And Lord, I pray that we would know you in a deeper way, that we would know you as the Lord Almighty. And it is in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys, thank you. And I hope to see you soon.